0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a ton of books that have come out this week. Let's kick it off with Scarlet Witch, number one oh, from Marvel. man. Written oh, by this. Steve Starting Orlando. A
2: banger. <laughs> right on the box.
0: Don't ruin it. I, I don't know what Pete thinks about this book. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Sarah Picelli. Now, this is, of course, a new number one that is picking up on the legacy of Scarlet Witch. And I'll throw out up front... The thing that I really liked about this is this is a really concrete, smart concept about Scarlet Rich restarting at a store that has a magic door that brings people in need directly to her. Feels like a very... Clear pitch, clear idea. I always really respect that in a number one. And I also respect the fact that it didn't go for the typical Scarlet Witch stuff of Chithon and her history. It touches on that, but it hits it in a very different way. Like Pete, I really appreciated
2: this book. Pete, why did you think it was a banger, though? Well, uh, first off, uh, the art is just super tight bananas. It's really nice. Um mm. and uh, you get they get through so much in this issue. You get really excited about where it's going, but you there's so many cameos. There's they tackle a lot of things at, at a good pace. Like she goes through like uh, three adventures in this issue, and it's just really impressive to see her handling business and how she's going about her day and her new kind of business. And this, and I think it's such a great job of like this magical door where uh somebody needs help they walk through it and uh boom let's get it going so i thought it was such a great choice uh to have that door and kind of have her have this like central location put her in one spot and see what she can do i think it's it's a ton of fun
3: i agree the Pacelli art is very dense plantains um and i think that <laughs> um the story is really fun like alex was saying like to really go in hard with the premise like We're setting up shop and the magic door brings people and we get to see it twice. Once in a fun way that sets up the issue and once is a great last page reveal that I thought was a great way to introduce some intrigue and um, great um, continuity stuff into it. And I got a shout out. Steve Orlando, upstate New York guy. Get a shout out to Utica Greens. in this is a local delicacy. And if you haven't had Utica Greens, this is like (laughs) a great day. Alex, you know
2: what I'm talking about? I'm no, talking about no. I Utica. want to hear
3: about it, though. Come on, Utica, city Up say New York. Get
2: up, Utica, get up.
3: Uh, I went to college near Utica. Great town. Drive through there a lot these days. Utica greens are uh, some sort of greens cooked with a little bit of like uh, sausage or some sort of nice salted meat situation. Mm-hmm. A little bit of spice to them. If you see mm-hmm. it on a menu, it's become a little bit of a fad dish, even um, in, down in New York City. Definitely order it. Great little dish.
0: I am shocked that we've gotten four minutes into this podcast or so, and Pete did not mention that this comic also canonically introduces Darcy, his favorite character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. of this comic, Pete, you should not be cheersing right now. You messed up. You didn't mention Cat Dennings. You messed up. Well, I'm talking about my I mentioned it. So You're she, I mentioned it. Kat Denning's
2: loves me now and hates you. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! Yes. Yes. How glorious is this? Uh Kat is now in comics. It's legit. You can't take her away from us. Uh we she is now a, a part of this world in all ways, shapes or forms, as she should be. She's fantastic in everything she does, even this comic book. It's great to have her finally.
3: <laughs> I don't know if Kat Dennings is actually the one playing the, the drawing oh, in the comic. Oh,
2: she is. She is. She's that good. <laughs> I don't good. think she's performing the role. She's that wrong. good. Yeah, no. Wow. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah. Anyway,
0: great first issue. Really strong start. Excited to see where this goes, particularly like Justin was saying after the cliffhanger. Next up a new another number one, Mosley, number one from Boob Studios, written yeah. by Rob Gilroy, art by Sam Lofty. I'm going to spoil a little bit of the premise. There's a bit of a twist, a couple of pages in here, but starts off with this guy Mosley, who seemingly has been recruited to train a AI for a year, and then it jumps forward crazy far in the future to show how that was the worst decision he possibly could make Kind of wrecks the future a little bit, certainly wrecks his future. And we deal with that for a little while before there's another big twist with the concept at the end of the book. I thought this was a great, very strong first issue, uh, very surprising. How did you guys feel?
3: I mean, the double swerve really caught me off guard in a good way and kept me sort of leaning back in twice to be like, what is this? What is this? Because <laughs> um, it goes from sort of like um, guy uh, dealing Fish with out a, of water. Fish out of water, like, uh you know, sci-fi premise, like soft sci-fi premise. Then it goes very hard sci-fi, crotchety, older guy, hard right. sci-fi premise yeah. to very comic booky, I would argue, swerve in the last sort of last third of the book. Um, that's a good, it's hard to make something with two swerves. I don't know how much driving you guys do, but two swerves is bad, especially in winter. So the fact that this works so well um, and doesn't fishtail is really good. Yeah, you got to pump your brakes. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you're going to fish tail. You know what I mean? But you got to sort of, you know, stutter it. You can't just yeah, hit You,
0: gotta hard them. you, 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 gotta, you know, got to feather it, feather dude, come, come on. Feather the brakes. You guys Look, know okay. this isn't a upstate New York podcast, right?
2: Oh, oh God. Alex will be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what,
3: we've got an upstate quorum here, motherfucker. You can take <laughs> your downstate right. shit and go screw.
2: Yeah. Uh, out to my people in Buffalo. I hope you're getting power back, man. Shit is crazy. Anyways, I I do think that the swerves that are taking this book are fantastic, very creative, amazing art. Yeah, it kind of starts off with this guy who doesn't like his job, a little bit of a ornery older person's like nah, damn technology these days. Pete, kids, you must you know have know been I mean? really
3: identifying.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because this know is I mean? like
3: you opening your phone, um, opening TikTok on your phone
2: yeah exactly and so it's one of those things where uh you kind of like okay i understand where this is going and then you know we kind of get the to meet his daughter and everything that she's going through and you're like okay all right this is really going to be an interesting and then that uh, third switch there uh all of it happens in the first issue doesn't seem rushed seems like it flows really nicely the art sets up the world really well i was impressed by this i'm looking forward for more there you go. Next up, Batman
0: 131 from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Mike Hawthorne and Miguel Mendes Mendoka. This is following up with a huge, I don't even know if it's Cliffhanger it was huge. the edge of huge fail-safe arc last issue yeah. where it looked like Batman died. In this issue, we're picking up. Of course, Batman didn't die, but we find out where he is and what's going on with him as he is trying to figure out himself. Meanwhile, back in the real world. In the backup story, we've got Nightwing and Tim Drake are basically like, no, Batman's not dead. we got to figure out where he is and what's going on. We've dealt with this before. So lots of stuff going on here. How do you feel this followed up on the failsafe arc, which I think we all agreed felt like A big budget Justice League Batman action movie that we have never seen before.
3: Well, and I think it's continuing that and then pushing it out even further into sort of like larger event. It's a little bit like we talked about um, Chip's work over on Daredevil where he was writing like a line-wide event in the pages of Daredevil. And this is not line-wide in the same way, but it's like it feels like something that like five, 10 years ago would have been a major Batman event, but it's all being told within the pages of this title. And that's really cool. It's big. Um, It is like spanning um, a lot of uh, ideas, but bringing in some new villains, some weirder villains, uh, older villains uh, rearing their head. And then to have the bat extending on the bat family, I think is really nice
2: as well. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a huge, crazy ending. And then this issue doesn't really explain everything, just kind of picks up where stuff left off, which is very interesting. It kind of seems like maybe Batman's out of his mind a little bit, talking to a a, a skeleton. It seems like Commissioner Gordon in some way. So it's like it's a skeleton
0: with a mustache, man. I mean, what else
2: do you need? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like... uh, Well, your mustache starts at the bones, right, Pete? (laughs) You're damn right. Your mustache mustache starts at the
3: bones. That's his pickup line at bars. Uh Hey, my mustache starts at the (laughs) bones. When Pete's out at the bar, he's got a real deep voice out there. Hey, brother, you want to go get a beer? My mustache (laughs) starts at the bones.
2: Uh this is fun. Yeah, I, I just what I like I'm about this is, is, is I'll be it's, your wingman uh, any day. Okay, great. Uh what I like about this is it's not really explaining every, anything. It's just kind of sitting in it and it's very confident thing to do. I'm enjoying it. Uh I think the art's crazy and matches the uh madness that is happening. I'm excited to see where this is going to go and how this is all going to fit together because it's it's a pretty crazy place.
0: Mm-hmm. Shang-Chi, Master of the Ten Rings, number one for Marvel, written by Gene Len Yang, art by Michael Igg. This is the finale of Gene Len Yang's run on Shang-Chi. So if you haven't read that, definitely a big, deep dive here, which I was not necessarily expecting. But For a number it's, one
3: issue. Yes, for a number also. one
0: issue. But once you realize that it's a big blowout, it's a nice conclusion of his oh, run yeah. on the title. It definitely brings everything together. And I felt a nice and satisfying
2: way. I agree. I think this was like such a great uh, issue where it was uh, a lot of things happened. We even got a little hint of uh possible romance at the end there. Uh, some great action sequences, a lot of fun characters. Just like and, out
3: at the bar when you're using your pickup line, Pete, a little hint of romance.
2: Yep. And so, yeah, I was really uh, <laughs> impressive. Uh, everything. And uh, of course, the art is super tight bananas.
3: Um, I agree. This is. I, I'm curious where where chis she's going from here. Like, is it a whole new situation? Girl. Obviously, it's the end of a run, but uh, it feels like this is a character that I feel should get some more due. Um, and straight, I, I feel like this is a trend also where number ones we're telling stories across a series of number ones, which is. Frustrating. There's another <laughs> title doing this too. I forget what it is off the top of my head, but we've covered Are you it. Are thinking of stand. the
0: Murder World one?
3: Yes, Murder World, where it's a bunch of number ones, and I'm just like, ah, I don't. This is hard to follow, just because it's a sequential story. It's not like it's a reboot and start over. Just trying one,
0: comics. Well, absolutely. Like I this is not a one-to-one, but it feels like clickbait to me a little bit, where they know that number ones sell comics, so they're just releasing subsequent number ones. When to your point, I agree, Justin. If it was like, I understand from a business perspective, if they sold five issues of a Murder World series, they would get less and less sales after each one, because that's how comics work. Like, that's nothing against the series, which we enjoy. But having it be... Murder World, X-Men number one, Murder World, Spider-Man number one, makes it a weird reading experience and makes it a, yeah. you know, a little bit of a frustrating experience. But I don't know. It is what it is.
3: But here we are. But it's a, one of those tricks that, yeah, it works, but it's also for the fans, it, wor- it Dude, reverse she? works. Right. It doesn't work. I so was it's definitely like,
0: – I spent the first half of this issue being like, oh, OK, we're relaunching this series. Great. Where are we – oh, it's this is the end. This is the end of the yeah. series. Nope. But there you go. But still, good run. Next up, Scotch yes. McTiernan's Holiday Party from Image Comics written by Jerry Dugan and Brian Posehn. The Deuce. Art by Scott Koblish. This is the third, I believe, one shot focusing on a big action hero guy who just likes to get high and going on adventures. But this time they're getting a riff on A Christmas Carol that's dealing a little bit with some uh, billionaire Wealth disparity Hmm. type stuff, very specifically Elon Musk, it feels like, uh, Mm. though they don't explicitly say that. Um, To me, this is the least of the three Scotch McTiernan books that we've read, Uh, but I want to turn to our weed expert, Pete see how he felt oh about hello. It. hello
2: yeah what uh, Pete, yeah. what is weed i've been trying wanting to try this stuff. oh man uh you're in such a good hands right now listen no i i think this is you know just it's kind of fun uh stoner humor stuff weed thing hilarious you know what I mean? The Santa yeah. Claus and Mrs. Santa Claus split up. That's just a fun creative. And then what I like about it is we're going to do this three ghost kind of Christmas bit until we're too stoned to be like, oh, let's just walk away from that. You know, uh, yeah, I just think this is kind of just silly over the top fun, uh, with a bunch of weed references th- sprinkled throughout. Um, I agree with you,
3: Alex. I like the other ones better. I think this one—the structure—is is we get a—we know this structure from other stories, so maybe that makes it a little less. Uh, we're a little bit ahead of some some aspects of it, uh, but um, I think this idea of using. Um, We follow a character jumping around in in opposition to what we just said about launching a series of number ones. The fact that these are uh, seasonal specials feel like we are following a through line, but they are done in ones with the same character doing similar things. Uh, But I think the others had a little bit more uh, fun surprises, while this one is like um, the Christmas story that we've known with apologies to Mr. Dickens.
0: There you go. From weed to poison ivy, number eight from DC oh, Comics.
3: I love edible poison ivy gummies. <laughs> mm, they get <laughs> me fucked <laughs> up on the
2: inside. <laughs> hey, Pete, did you, you wanna, take well, yeah, poison yeah, gummy And <laughs> the outside, because it's, uh, you know, it's all sweet. You know, Just real quick yeah. for anybody who
0: hasn't listened before, there was one time that Pete called in sick from our live show because he had poison ivy in his throat,
2: right? Yeah, I get it so bad it shuts down everything. I almost well, you can't put time. it, you
3: can't smoke it, Pete. You can't inhale it
0: in that yeah, way. Yeah, I know.
3: Trust I me, I, I, I know. I've
0: the poison I ivy, don't. right?
3: And and let me, <laughs> I if I remember the story correctly, and maybe you don't want to relive this, but you were at a graveyard somewhere, right, a cemetery, <laughs> yeah. and like somehow <laughs> rolling around in
2: poison ivy, right? We visited a graveyard, and I somehow got poison ivy. If I'm anywhere near it. It, 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 I, I get. Sorry, it. you were crazy. rolling around in a graveyard. What were you? I was not to? rolling around in a graveyard. <laughs> yeah, were you I, doing, I, You walked up to
0: a lady one of those graves and like, this mustache go down to the moon.
2: <laughs> What is? What is that? What, what I love the, the
3: best thing about cemeteries is to, for the people you love, you leave flowers, and your enemies, you plant poison ivy <laughs> on their <laughs> grave <laughs> yeah. in your face. Yeah. That's what you were doing—is like really cursing some enemy of yours.
0: So this is written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Adagon Ilhan. In this issue, Poison Ivy is fighting an old enemy who has brought back her evil-ish, I guess, virus plant that she was layering in across the United States in the first arc. We get a uh, nice bit of empathy from Poison Ivy in this issue that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what you guys think about this one?
3: I, I think this story is really um, – or I think this this series is really smartly told. Um, I think the first uh, issues where Poison Ivy was going around killing people and uh, starting a, um, a genocidal uh, – Yeah. Fung, fungal outbreak that she's going to pull the trigger on eventually. Yeah. And it was scary and felt big. It felt like a black label book despite the fact that it is in regular continuity. And I like that the book is starting to push through that premise a little bit and getting into other – stuff she gets in trouble she's uh, affected by this sort of villain or this person from the past who's coming back to trap her um, she meets someone else who um, uh, she got who she got them fired basically or killed their boss killed her boss so it like it, it's bringing a little bit of continuity bringing a story together and getting into some big emotional stuff too it's really really smartly
2: done with a lot going on yeah, I really liked the ending. I thought it was a super sweet ending, especially from where it started, where it was real dark and big. I liked how small and kind of sweet it got. Um, creepy yeah. ass art. Uh, the story takes a lot of twists and turns, which is very interesting. It, the way it started to where we are Swerves. now. Yeah, yeah, it's been all over the place. You don't want to swerve too much, but if you're uh, a really good comic like this is, you can, you can swerve all over the place and be able to pull off some amazing stuff. Uh, but, yeah, if you ask me, the art's a real hero here. Joe Fix-It,
0: number one from Marvel, written by Peter David, art by Duray Sinar. This is going back in time to when Peter David was writing I've Joe Fixit, it the enforcer oh, in Vegas. And we're catching up to an old storyline there involving Spider-Man mixing in Kingpin. I thought this was great. I, I mean, I love the Joe Fixit storyline. It was fun to revisit it. I know Peter David was doing a bunch of these, but this really worked for me. How did you guys feel about it? I, I don't know if you have the same level of nostalgia for this storyline.
2: I know I do. I'm, I'm a huge Joe Fix-It fan. I mean, uh, the fact that, you know, uh, not only did they bring him back, but they brought him back right. You know what I mean? Pinstripe suit, check. Wing he tips. looks good. Check. He's looking, uh, you know, it's toit. It's looking real nice on him. And he is, uh, it's great to see him back in, uh, you know, back in Vegas handling business. And it was awesome to see him go toe to toe with Kingpin. He got a little Spider-Man sprinkled in there. This was a ton of fun. Really brought me back, uh, to when I first started reading comics, uh, and first started checking out Joe Fix It. I, I had a great time with this. I thought it was a lot of fun.
3: It'd be interesting to go back and reread the initial Joe Fixit arc because it's a weird idea that the Hulk, um, someone who smashes stuff and is like mad, is like, nah, he's gray now. He puts on a suit and he works as a Vegas enforcer uh, for local mob people. I was like, it's such a strange turn.
2: What? Yeah, I mean, what? What's, what's you know? Who Yeah.
3: So, like, it's, uh, it's funny to be back here in sort of a story that doesn't blink at that premise. It's just like, nope, that's where we are. In fact, we don't even really see Joe fix it until a bit later in the issue. We see Spider-Man for a lot of it, at Kingpin. Spider-Man is doing this classic, putting spider tracers on stuff. Which um, oh, yeah. you can't believe that trick still works. Um, but good to see Joe fix it back. Where does he get his suits tailored? I want to know.
0: Radiant Pink, number two from Image Comics, written by Megan Camarena and Melissa Flores, art by Emma Kubert. In this issue, Radiant Pink and a woman from the hospital that she saved last issue are trapped in various dimensions. They keep jumping through the dimensions and maybe jumping into love with each other. Oh. I continue to enjoy the radiant universe. I thought this was very fun and particularly for Emma Kubert's art. I thought there she gets to play around in a bunch of different dimensions. And that was very fun to see.
2: Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, this continues to deliver. We have some time traveling, maybe love back and forth. Just, just fun. They're having a great time with it. You got giant cats and giant cat robots. I mean, Art's great. They're having a great time. What's not to love here? Uh, the
3: Radiant Universe continues to just be a confident storytelling unit. And this um, second issue, uh, like the letters page, has a title. They're getting into the it feels like old school comics, but with um, uh, new stories, new characters, obviously. And uh, I wonder, I know we spend a lot of time, or I do anyway, speculating about the Radiant Verse, about what's up with it. Um, is it just going to keep expanding out sort of like uh, like the planets or is it all going to like smash together at some point in the near future with a big event? Do we have a big event coming, do you think?
0: Yeah, we definitely have a big event coming. They've been teasing that in Radiant Black. So I think they are going to keep expanding it until there are enough characters and enough people fleshed out there that it will feel like a legit crossover. And I respect the fact that they're taking their time, that they're not doing that. We've done a year. Now we're doing our crossover. Everybody's coming together. Instead, they're really taking time to figure out all of these Radiants. We haven't even had series for all of the Radiants yet. Uh, They're adding some new characters as well with um, no one. And I'm forgetting what the other one is. Uh, Inferno Girl Red, I think, is the title. So Mm -hmm. we're going to get a couple more there. So it's going to be a while, and uh, that's great. Keep it going. Build it up. Should be yeah. good stuff. Buckle
2: up, Justin. We've still got more to go. Let's ride.
0: The Joker, the man who stopped laughing, number four from DC Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg. you. Berge- Part by Carmine G. Gianna Domenico and Francesco Franco In this issue, our maybe Joker, maybe not Joker, not 100% sure, is going through a hospital and trying to escape from the police. Meanwhile, in the backup story, we get a little bit of a clue as maybe what is going on with these two Jokers, though maybe it's a faint, maybe not. I guess we'll have to see. This title continues to be spooky, upsetting, and good.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the the art is STB to the max. I mean, this is some really crazy-looking stuff, which ma- matches the vibe of this book. I mean, uh, we have different Jokers kind of doing different things. He's running around a hospital here causing chaos. Uh, fun bits about uh, Batman with the sick kids there. I, I liked him ripping on Robin and taking shots at Red Hood. I thought that was fun stuff if you read a lot of comics you can get these bits uh i just think it's just a great use of joker and the chaos and uh, the fact that he's kind of struggling with what to do with this other joker is also kind of interesting um so yeah i'm having a great time with this book it's super uh weird in all the right ways
3: Wait, will we ever run out of Joker stories? I guess not, because here no. comes some more. Um, right. I really like the. Why do you the, want them to end? I'm not saying they should They're end. Great. I'm just saying that's a natural resource. We seem to have a lot of uh, um, backup for, um, like the amount of times you can talk about bananas. It's infinite. <laughs> um, but so I like this. Um, the back shout out to the backstory. Um, I really like the Francesco Franco Villa art. It's um, very dense um, plantains. Uh, something I say a lot. So um, that's my unrelated <laughs> catchphrase. Uh, unrelated. Uh, really fun, really fun story in the back. Dr. Phosphorus. There's this great panel of Dr. Phosphorus being like, it's me, Dr. Phosphorus. <laughs> it's just fun. It's to have a funny Joker story is something that we don't get enough of in this one. Hits. Yeah. yeah. The
0: Avengers, number 64 from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Aviar Garan. In this issue, we're continuing the Avengers a simple storyline that is pitting them versus the uh, army of Mephisto and the multiversal masters of evils over in the Avengers. We're following the main Avengers team as well as the Avengers of 6 million BC as they fight the multiversal masters of evil. There's a point in this issue where I believe it's Tony Stark. It's like, I don't know what's going on anymore. And that's kind of how I felt reading this book. But at the same time, still having fun. Yeah, it's I just
3: agree. the ultimate like uh Jason Aaron is doing the um the ultimate like Avengers toy box smash them up like it's a rainy Saturday. You get the whole day to play with your toys. So you're going to get weird. You're going to mix up <laughs> everyone's clothes. Everyone's going to be extra ideas are dropping in. This is like every big idea. It's a smash up of all the villains at their peak um, with the biggest solutions and ways to beat them happening all the time. Well, at the same time, telling sort of an intense Tony Stark story He encounters his dad or who, what he thinks, but also knows isn't his dad. Um, and there's a great page in this where Tony Stark just reflects on like a dozen memories of like mm-hmm. being with the Avengers. And I, it's such a sweet page in this book and the way that Jason Aaron can tell this massive landscape of like big storytelling well, also knocking us in, jumping in on these super tiny emotional detail moments is all I can ask for in comics.
2: Yeah, it's really impressive all that is happening here. There's a lot of over the top madness going on, but also really sweet, small stuff as well. Plus, I love a good Doom last page reveal. And man, is this
1: it's a big one
0: It's only Teenage Wasteland number two from Dark Horse Comics yeah. written by Kurt Pyers, art by Jacobi Salcedo. In the first issue of this book, we met a bunch of teenagers who are doing very typical teenage stuff. And then there's a mm. cliffhanger at the end where they ended up in a. I would say teenage wasteland, I guess we find out Uh, post apocalypse. There you go. We find out a little bit more about what's going on as well as a bunch of weirdness in this issue. As we continue to follow the characters. Um, If you are a fan of what's the furthest place from ear, this is the direct one-to-one, particularly because of the Kurt Byers connection. Uh, Great stuff
3: uh yeah I agree it it has um it's a smaller scale story um what's the furthest place from here sort of feels like it's going into the the warriors uh nature of it with all the different gangs and sort of warriors. big world interaction between everyone mm-hmm. and this feels a little bit uh an equally uh or similar weird post apocalypse world where we don't quite know what's happening happening but we're we're focused on a smaller group of people. Though we have an expansion at the end of this issue into at least a new character um, that is related to them in some way that we won't spoil. But um, really in violent fights at the end
2: here, right? Yeah. Anybody yeah. else? Pete, bloodthirsty, yeah.
3: licking your lips, love the taste of
2: blood in the morning? Oh man, nothing will get you going I, I think we've seen so many post poc stories before But what I really like about this Is <laughs> there is A brightness to it There is some hope to it There is uh, uh, there's uh, the way it's drawn doesn't make it seem, uh, so depressing and futuristic that seems so grim. So I like the, the changes that they're making on the thing we've seen a bunch. And I like the small kind of story we're getting about, uh, two kids who kind of grew up together and their trials and tribulations. So, uh, I'm really enjoying it. This book is killing it, man. Planet Hulk, World Breaker number three from Marvel, written by Greg Pak, art by Manuel
0: Garcia in this issue, the Amadeus Cho of 1,000 Years in the Future, is trying to track down Jen Walters, who it turns out is powering, if not the entire planet, at least a part of it with her gamma City. powers. Lots of other returning faces this issue as well. Pete, I know you were geeking out about this
2: one, so take it away.
3: Talk about yeah. post-Pak. We got post-Greg Pak coming back. With more yeah. pack,
2: yeah, exactly that. I'm going to get to that if you'd let me talk. So uh, this is just great times. Okay, we're learning more and more, tons more action, tons more adventure, traps being set. I mean, I I I just love waking up in a world breaker world. you know what I mean? Um, this. This is the most Greg Pocking it, uh, story that Greg Pock has ever done. And I'm loving the Greg Pock out of it. You know what I mean? It's just Pock on Taka Pock and I can't Excuse get me? enough of it. I'm just, uh I, uh, I, I, love the characters, the, the, the use of Amadeus Cho, the, the, all the different kind of stuff. We even, it's a great use of She-Hulk in here. This is just a ton of pock fun.
3: Like, uh, Pokemon, Pizza Pokemon, who can only speak in the word Pok, uh, a pock on both your houses, I say, because this book is, um, wild. <laughs> it takes, uh, the old uh, Planet Hulk stuff and gets one step weirder, one step away from Hulk into other Hulks that we don't see coming. Like, Sure. I've powered a city with my gamma radiation in my time, and it's sure. hard work, so it's great to see, or at least a borough, parts of Brooklyn, the neighborhood anyway. <laughs> I just plugged in and kept it going for a while. So I get what She-Hulk's going through here. She had to step away for a minute, and then it's like, hurry up, get back and power the city, because that's how the city is powered. Um I'm curious, is this story going to continue to get sort of weirder and get yes. deeper into random Hulk pockets? It That's feels right. like yes. And P- by pockets, pockets I baby. mean P.A.
0: Uh, P- pockets. <laughs>
3: Greg <Hold> Pockets. pockets.
0: <laughs> we do have a good time. <laughs> we
3: have a good time. We speak in nonsensical senses, <laughs> but that That's is right. fun for us. Greg Pockets. <laughs>
0: Gotham City, year one, number four from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Phil Hester. In this issue, we're dealing with the ramifications of the last issue, where it turns out the baby that Slam Bradley was trying to find the entire time is dead, and he gets the shit beaten out of him repeatedly because of this, leading to a bunch of encounters with other characters. I will say, I feel still a little mixed about this title for Mm. issues, in, even Mm. though I like Phil Hester's art. I'm curious to hear what you guys think, and then once we get through that, I have a very spoilery question that I want to ask you. Ooh.
3: Well, Uh, I feel like, what is this book? This book, Tom King, um, is the Tom King of not really of being a little coy about his storytelling. Sure. But this one feels almost it's like one it's one step out of reach for me as a reader, and I really like Slam Bradley. I like too dark. It's not even about the darkness because there are mm-hmm. other darker books that we read. It's I'm just like what what is the story? I, I see st- stuff is happening. Um, there are characters together, but the thing is, like, it feels like we're dealing with uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne and a part of their history that we haven't really seen before. But is that what it is? Because it feels like it's too different to match up with the the continuity yeah. that we know. So I, I just need I feel like I'm missing one like connective bit of connective tissue to be like ah yes I see where this fits and I see what the point of this is. So I'm hoping this is the fourth issue. Um I think now is the time to get to it. And I I don't it's hard to doubt Tom King um because yeah. his work is very good across the board, but I'm I yeah. think I really need the the thing here. Well, think first of all, just a point of clarification
0: that may help a little bit, and I just very quickly double check this to make sure I was wrong. The characters aren't Thomas and Martha Wayne. It's Richard and Constance Wayne. Oh, right. So, yes, yeah. yes, right. So th- that is something that, like, reading this initially, I thought they were Martha and Thomas as well. They're not. Um, here, can we get into a spoil real quick? Because this is a thing sure. that I, I think is the point of this book, because as far as I can tell, it's not a black label thing. It's in continuity. And part of the conceit is it's a story that Slam Bradley is telling to Batman. I think the point of the story is that Slam Bradley is Batman's grandpa. Like, <laughs> Slam has a affair with Batman's, yeah. I believe, grandmother. In grandmother, this, yeah. yeah. And so I think the idea is that they are going to have Thomas Wayne and Thomas Wayne is the child of Slam Bradley and Batman's grandpa. So he's going to be like, I'm your grandpa. And that's the point of it. I don't know if that makes I it worth not. it necessarily, but I, that's I my guess. I hope, why, why would you put that out there? That's uh, that's I, I'm I always putting grandpas right. out there. You know what I mean?
3: He certainly looks really? like a Wayne. Yep. Yeah. Lamb does. So that's part of the reason why I think it is confusing yet again.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's making choices that I don't know why or where we're going. Also, the he's crazy like a bat line. Man, I could have gone without that. But the art is just absolutely balls here. And uh uh, you know the the tone of Gotham and the 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 coloring of it and what they're doing it makes it really nice. But otherwise, I'm kind of reading it and just kind of being a little skeptical about what's happening.
0: Fantastic Four number three from Marvel, written by Ryan North, art by Ivan Coelho. As we have been doing the last two issues, this is essentially a done in one story. Following this time, the Human Torch. What's been going on Old with him as the store. Fantastic Store 4 has been separated and spread all over the country for unknown reasons. Just a note, we've gotten the tease that we're going to find out everything in the next issue, which is great. But yep. very fun Human Torch adventure. I, uh, this was delightful to read.
2: How are you guys feeling, though? Yeah, I agree. This is a lot of fun. Uh, You know, uh, Johnny Storm not fighting this guy, but finding a way to get to him was really uh, fun. And the kind of like, uh, you know, almost goatee, but not a goatee. I don't know if that's a Fu Manchu mustache or what it's called. Handlebar. Handlebar. uh, uh,
3: Handlebar. I think it's a Fu
2: Manchu. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a perfect amount of douchey for Johnny Storm in a, in a great way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it was a fun last panel, fun, fun arc uh, or one shot, as they say.
3: Um yeah what I, I I really like ryan North um and I think Ryan North is capable of doing that thing that I think we there's been a little bit more of lately with people like Mark Russell like can do like a comedy forward story that still is a great story in comics and it's nice to have that in fantastic Four a uh, a team that has tended toward, like, galaxy-spanning, time travel, big, serious, high-stakes storytelling, to have a little bit more fun. And in this issue, Johnny Storm is literally, like, it's just a, it's almost a comedy issue, um, when usually he just gets to say, like, a little joke. He gets to be a little bit Spider-Man in the middle of, like, a Galactus boot coming down on uh, planet Earth or whatever. So um, I like this new tone for this series, and I'm excited to get the inciting incident next issue to see where we're pushing this uh, the Fantastic Four family to.
0: The Approach, number three from Boom Studios, written by Jeremy Hahn and Jason S. Hurley, art by Jesus Hervas and Leah Caballero. As we mentioned with previous issues, this is essentially... Alien meets The Thing set in an airport. We're getting a lot of characters who are trying to track down the monster who is killing them in this issue. No big surprise here. The monster kills a lot of them instead. Monster winning. Oh, monsters. There you go. Monster winning so far. Maybe winning forever. I guess we'll have to see. Uh, this is a great horror movie in comic book form.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's a you know fun you know monster loose. What's going to happen? You know, I just didn't you know the evil grandma at the end. I was a little like, oh, you know, because you love grandmas
3: saying. that are not evil.
2: Yeah, yeah, I like a badass grandma. This is an evil grandma, so it's not still it's badass. Not
0: my, though.
2: I Don't like it. Don't like in fact, it. your More ass bad. is worse than usual. I would say worse ass. Mm-hmm. I don't People. appreciate what you're doing there.
3: What's better than badass? Worse ass?
0: Nope. Uh, Worse ass bananas, we say about this book. Moving on to the next uh, Hold one. on real quick.
3: As someone Wait, who's great art, great art. I'm going to an airport in like an hour, so this <laughs> monster in an airport mm-hmm. thing is really not uh, hitting well with me. But um, the mo- the rate at the rate the monster's winning here, I don't know what these humans are going to do. <laughs> there seems to be no weakness. And in fact, the, the monster just got an ally, a human grandma ally, who, uh, you know, based on the Golden Girls, you know, older, older grandma types can do anything, you know? Oh, so. yeah, that's
0: true. Secret invasion number three from Marvel written out, once again by Ryan North, art by Francesco Mobili. This is essentially a stealth Maria Hill series as she's trying to track down scrolls throughout the Marvel universe. We had a big cliffhanger the last issue where Tony Stark was revealed to be a scroll. We find out a lot more about that in this issue and how it ties into the Squirrel Girl series from back in the day. Also from Ryan North. So nice little shout out there. There's some yeah pretty gross twists involving Tony Stark's tongue that happened by the end of the issue. Um, I'm really enjoying this in a way that I was not expecting. How about you? Hmm. Well, yeah. shouts
3: to the art the there's a great two page spread uh, right at the beginning of this that is just excellent um Maria Hill it's it's plantains it's straight plantains I'd say and so I think it's really good <laughs> was what I mean when I say that I, I found um, and, it to
0: be runts hard runts hard
2: runts uh, I say <laughs>
0: the banana
3: runs?
2: Because those banana runs oh, yes. are the best. I mean, yeah. Come on. Heart yeah. banana
3: runs such a swerve. on our nonsense
2: uh catchphrases. Great. Uh were you done, Justin? Okay, yeah, go ahead, I thought go ahead. that Okay, yeah. I the I really loved uh, the last panel, such a crazy Finished. They've been doing such a fun kind of last panel with this. I feel like this just clicked into gear for me. I really think this issue really kind of set things going in the right direction. I like the choices being made. Uh, super tight bananas uh, to the max art here. Uh, I'm, I'm having fun with this. And uh, at first I was like, meh. But uh, now this is really kicking some butt
0: dark knights of steel number nine from dc comics written by tom taylor art by yasmin putri we finally have all of our characters back in medieval times of the dc universe are fighting all together against each other but there's some big reveals here about what's actually been going out in the background i found the reveals very satisfying in a way that i was not expecting justin why don't you talk about this one a bit
3: Uh, Same, and I don't want to spoil them because they are really good. I mean, we've big-upped Tom Taylor's DC work, um, but haven't really focused on this story, this series, too much, um, which is doing an effective job of um, telling something in the vein of, like, 1602 or any of the sort of, like, let's put all of our heroes and villains in a different time period and let them fight in a sort of period way. This does such a great job of pitting them against each other in smart, unexpected ways. And the reveals in this issue um, sort of turn the dials in a totally new direction that I didn't see coming. So the Tom taylor Sans continues.
2: Yes, uh, I I really agree. Uh, this uh, comic uh, should have got more love in our top uh, um of the year, this has been really impressive. What it's been doing with each and every issue, the Yasmataz on the art is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's STB, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I love the the dragon stuff. The, the this is there's a lot of fun reveals in here. It's just such a blast. I I've been really enjoying the creative choices they've been taking uh, with this book, and a lot of times when you put something in different time periods, it's uh, but they're using it really well in such a creative, cool way. Spider-Man number four from Marvel, written by Dan Slott, art by
0: Mark Bagley. In this, I don't remember her name, Shiraz or whatever it is, the Wasp Lady is continuing her assault on the Spider-Verse and trying to destroy them and turn them all into wasps and things. And in this issue, spiders are definitely on the losing end. They lost Peter Parker in the last issue, and they lose even more in this issue. But we also get the sort of continuity things that only Dan slot could pull yeah. out in a absolutely ludicrous way, where I was like, it, look, we've interviewed Dan a ton of times, so we know yeah, sure that he is very into continuity. We also know that he is very into... Having things in his back pocket that he's like, I'm gonna pull that out at the perfect time. It is wild to me that this far into his career, he still has things that you read them and you're like, he's been thinking about that for 20 years. He's been th- <laughs> and he just waited and then he did it. And just to be like explicitly clear, what I'm talking about, they don't have Peter Parker. And this is a spoiler for the issue, so they're like, you know what we could do is we could pull out the original Peter Parker, who is Peter Parler. Which is based Palmer. on a Palmer, excuse me. Which is based on a misprint from the first issue in Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, where they spelled his name wrong one time. So pulling that out, of course, he's been thinking about that forever. This is Spider Verse, and just waiting for the perfect time. So they got a new
2: Peter Parker. It's Peter Palmer, right. Just great. I also love the, uh, spider buggy with, uh, two boots on it, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. just hysterical. I mean, he's having a ton of fun. This really comes across. This is crazy spiders and different spider verses and different over the top spider things happening. And it's just a blast. And, uh, you just reading it and just being like, Oh, Dan, uh, you're just having a great time. And it really comes across. Uh, the fun
3: is there for sure and it's especially nice that Mark Bagley's on art for this because um it really reminds man, me I of the Sp- it, man. That guy is on it. <laughs> yeah, Bagley and Bordly, it because it's good stuff. Uh this it reminds me of like um Bagley's run back in like the I want to say the late nineties where it was like huge big crossover events, um Moon Knight, The Punisher, everyone's fighting everybody. Um, So that's cool because this has that same level of complexity where there's like a million different spider people um, fighting and being like, what's happening? I don't know what's happening. Let's let's see this. Let's do this. Um, Spider uh, dinosaurs. It's strange to me that this is happening uh, at the same time Dark Web is an Mm -hmm. equally (laughs) insane crossover event. So it's sort of like, you know, when you're shifting gears in a truck and it's like these gears – don't go together. (laughs) Uh, So it's a little crunchy going between these two stories. Um, But I like them both. And it is funny, like Dan must have like a really fucked up notebook with all of his notes in it that he's been (laughs) taking over the years because he keeps digging deep and pulling out like a madman. Like, I got it, Peter Palmer. And it does work, and you got to give him credit for the master strokes on this. Uh, Um, But I can't imagine being – like a young reader picking this up and being like, comic books? Got it. Love.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they make sense. I thought you were going to say, I can't imagine being in Dan Slott's head because it's got to be crazy. Yeah. That too. Stillwater number
0: 17 from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Roman K. Perez. We're getting to the end here of Stillwater in graphic and violent fashion. As we now know the secret of Stillwater, we know why people stay alive forever there, and various factions are trying to take control of the two towns that now are immortal. I'm very curious to see how this all ends, because honestly, I I just don't know at this point.
3: Yeah, it's such a, uh, the world is so specific and there's so many characters and this has the end of, like, uh, a big, like, chase movie from, like, the 60s or 70s. Like, what is, like, it's a mad, 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 mad world or, like, uh, Mm. Cannonball Run or Smoking the Bandit. One of those movies where it's like, all right, now everyone's smashing into each other because it's the (laughs) end of the third act and it definitely feels like that. Um, And to your point, Alex, like, Truly, anything can happen
2: um, to finish this story out. Yeah, it's the old cold water versus still water battle royale that's happening here. You know what I mean? Uh, either way, water's going to win, so I'm excited about that. But yeah, this Real just quick, keeps it getting... do you prefer, cold or still? Take it away, Pete. Mm. Um, uh, You got to go cold, you know, Um, but uh, I would still... argue that they get they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe that's Interesting. the point here. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll see in the next issue. But cold I do water think runs it... deep, they say. Ah, yeah. Um, still water don't move, they say.
3: <laughs> oh, ice. Boy. What about ice? Oh, they ice say? Vanilla.
0: Moves as well.
2: Ice is cold and still and water. Nice. All now right. we know how it ends. Take it away, Pete. Yeah, I don't know where to go after all that, but uh, it's just great art. Uh, great the store keeps uh, hard runs, hard runs. Yeah, it's. I'm excited to see uh, how this is all <laughs> going to go down and who's going to win. Last but not least, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number eight for Marvel
0: written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly art by Carmen Carnero. And the last issue aim took over New York city. Captain America woke up in the middle of a field and didn't know what was happening. Turns out that there's a bunch of other heroes that also had their memory played with. They bring in Emma Frost for the cover to help them out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Some very fun interactions in this issue. I thought between the various characters and Pete, You had to love all of the X-Men slams going on here.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is really crazy. I mean, at one point, Captain America says... Ami, and then Emma Frost shows up, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I love that moment. So the backstory
0: is at the Hellfire Gala, he made a deal with Emma Frost, and Emma was like, I owe you a favor. I don't remember specifically what happened. Captain America, I think, foiled some thing that Moira McTaggart was doing for via Jean Grey or was involved yeah, yeah, in that. Yeah, in yeah. Whatever, other. whatever. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. it's like, all you got to do is say this keyword, and of course, the keyword that Emma Frost <laughs> gave to him was, you have to think, Bobby, and then I will show up dark uh, uncomfortable hilarious I mean the yep. idea that Emma yep. Frost
3: was like in a meeting over on Krakoa and is like oh, oh sorry I gotta go Cabs America thought mommy You've gotta run <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back I'll be back shortly um, but I, I this this series continues to be so fun and also just exploring new areas of Captain America world. We get a different Modok revealed, the game, Red just,
2: Underwater Modok.
3: Yes, the Avatar Way of Modok. Um, yeah, uh, Modok uh, was was fun and. The way that they're, they keep reminding us, I like that it's Captain America and all of um, the Captain America buddies, and then there's also the um, giant uh, robot guy who's uh, <laughs> saying, all, just uh, part of the conversation, <laughs> they're all like, what should we do, or here's a joke, and then robot is like, ba it's like the robot from um, uh, Lost in Space, their most recent series mm-hmm. Lost in Space um, sort yep. of energy, where it's scary a little bit, but also helpful. I guess that's what all robots are technically now. Um, And we get a nice sort of turn at the end that is fun. I don't know exactly what it means, but I'm excited to
0: find out. Yeah. And that is it for the stack. If you would like Woo-hoo! to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast. YouTube YouTube. come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop.
3: For super tight bananas and hard banana runs, I'm very dense plantains. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>